These are the daily lectionary comments for Christmas Eve, December 24th. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 44 and 45, the universal God of Israel. And then we're going to look at Revelation chapter 12, this incredible story of the woman and the dragon. We're going to begin with Isaiah 44, beginning at verse 21. This whole section uh, is a development of some themes that we've seen uh, elsewhere in Isaiah, but that's really going to bubble to the surface. And, and Isaiah is really going to hit it hard. So let me explain one of the problems that, uh, that the prophets dealt with uh, among the Israelites. What is, uh, obviously, the one thing is, is idolatry. The people worshiping false gods, Baal or, or Asherah, rather than the God of Israel. But there was another problem, and that is that the people of Israel worshipped the God of Israel along with Baal and other gods as well. The reason why they would do this is because it was very common in the ancient world for a nation to have not really a God, but maybe a favorite God. But even if they had a God, still the idea was that you could believe in your God and be devoted to your God without denying the power or the existence of other gods. And that was actually very common, not just very common. Uh, it, was, it was almost um, uh, universal that people believed in their own gods and in the gods of others as well. It, it could be, I mean, one could, if, if one was just blind and didn't listen very carefully to the prophets, one might decide that the God of Israel, who brought the people out of Egypt, was Israel's special God uh, and, and perhaps the one to whom you owed the most uh, duty. But many Israelites actually did not deny the existence of other gods and sort of divided their devotions, or even if they didn't offer any worship to other gods, simply acknowledging the existence of other gods limited the power and the glory of the God of Israel. When you read this passage today, it's very clear what the focus is. And the focus is that there is actually only one God. The God of Israel is not merely the God of Israel, but he is actually the universal God of all the world. In fact, even the stars in the heavens, that, that uh, he is not only ruling over Israel, but he is actually ruling over all of the world on behalf of Israel that God is manipulating, ruling, reigning, calling, naming, uh, raising up kingdoms, destroying other kingdoms, raising up rulers and destroying rulers and doing whatever needs to be done in this world, not only in Israel, but actually throughout the entire world for the sake of his plan, for the sake of his glory. So we, we have a, a repeated emphasis by God, that he alone is God. I am alone. There is no other. The references uh, here in to uh, Cyrus are very, very interesting. Cyrus was a Persian king. He was a Persian king that rose up and destroyed the Babylonian Empire, the Babylonian Empire who had taken the people of Israel into captivity. It was the Persian king Cyrus who conquered Babylon and then issued a decree allowing the Israelites to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, and to rebuild their temple. Now this happened 
uh, well, 150 years after Isaiah uh, died. I mean, so th this is this is a long way off uh, that this is going to occur. And Isaiah not only refers to it, but refers to Cyrus by name. And the whole point here of referring to him by name or referring to him at all is to show that God is reigning over the, the present and the future, over Israel, over Babylon, over Assyria, over Persia, later over the Greeks, over the Romans, and over us today. God is reigning over all for the sake of accomplishing his purposes on earth. So Cyrus, even Cyrus, this future great superpower king, and note that Isaiah makes it very clear. God says, I called you by name. I named you, so verse 4, though you don't know me. So Cyrus was not a Jew. He had no idea about any of this. And yet, he is acting on behalf of the Lord, very much the way later on uh, Caesar Augustus would would uh, um, uh, promulgate a, a census, not having any idea that what's really going on is he is acting as part of God's plan for the bringing of the Savior into the world. Okay, uh, and lastly, it says here, uh, there's this universal call uh, in verse um, uh, 22. Turn to me and be saved, verse 22 says, all, uh, the, uh, all the nations of the earth, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. And look down in verse 23, to me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Okay, this, Paul quotes this, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, he adds because this is how God will reign over all the nations. So we have Isaiah here looking into the future and we see God's universal plan. He is to be the savior of all the nations and every knee shall bow to him and every tongue shall swear allegiance to this, the one, the only God. For all the other gods are idols. They are nothing but foolishness. They are not nothing but emptiness. They are actually demons. However, the living God has a plan, not only for Israel, but for the salvation of the entire world. Okay, Revelation chapter 12. This is an extraordinary little story. And what I want you to understand is that when you read this story at first, and many people read it, it just looks like this extraordinary tale of, of, of monsters and and, and all kinds of horrible heavenly clashes and things like this. And yet, if you understand what John is actually telling us here, you will see that this is actually an incredibly compact story describing, or what shall I say, in three verses, verse 4, 5, and 6, we have described for us Advent, Christmas, Ascension, and Pentecost. In, in other words, the entire New Testament uh, and, and, and as well as the entire Old Testament, is pictured in three verses. Let me give you the keys to unlocking this, this uh, vision, the vision of the woman and the dragon. The woman is the church. She's the church of the Old Testament and the church of the New Testament. So the woman is pregnant and is getting ready to give birth. So something is happening in the Old Testament church, what we call Israel, 
something was brewing within her waiting to come. The dragon is Satan. Satan also is waiting for whatever it is that is brewing within Israel, how God's plan is to come to fruition through Israel. Satan also is waiting for this pregnancy to to become a birth. The child is the Christ. This is God's plan. Uh, that is, God's plan for the salvation of the world is that Israel will give birth to the Christ and the Christ will reign over all the nations and Satan is waiting for this to happen. The reason why he's waiting for this to happen is because he wants to thwart God's plan. So this is what happens. In verse 2 it says, She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains. You can say that the entire Old Testament, but particularly uh, after David and all the problems with idolatry and captivity and return, and now more um, uh, oppression from from foreign uh, uh, from foreign powers. All of this are the birth pangs. That was the sign of this woman. There were the birth pangs, but a glorious woman. Note: Israel is not presented here. The church of the Old Testament is not presented as as uh, uh, you know beleaguered, and, but rather glorious. On the other hand, verse three: Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold great red dragon with seven hands and ten horns. Well, that means he's a very powerful being. Um, his tail swept a third of the stars from heaven. Look here. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore the child, he might devour it. Okay. So that is a presentation right there of how things were set up when the Christ was about to come into the world. The devil was raiding to devour the Christ. Of course, he would put him on the cross in his effort to destroy him. But we know that that, that worked the opposite of what the dragon was intending. Look at verse 5. Here's the New Testament. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. All right, well, there you go. There's, there's Matthew uh, Mark, Luke, and John, right there. The, the child was born, caught up uh, to God. It's the, the entire ministry of Jesus, even his, his death uh, and resurrection, are skipped over. We go from the incarnation to the ascension to the right hand of God, uh, right there in one verse. In verse 6, then, we have, after he ascended into heaven, the woman fled. So the woman, the church, is still there. But now we call it the church rather than Israel. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she was prepared, uh, where uh, she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. All right, the woman is now the church. The church left on earth after the Christ has been taken into heaven to sit at the right hand of God and to reign. She is, there's a place prepared for her. It's called the wilderness, okay? So in other words, the wilderness now is this world. This present world is a wilderness place of dangers, but God has a, has a place prepared for his church, and he will nourish her. 1260 days. We talked about this in the vision of the two witnesses. 1260 days is equivalent to 42 months of 30 days each. So 42 months and 1260 days are the same. 42 months is also three and a half years. Same duration of time, and also you run into this expression, time, times, and half a time. Okay, that's three and a half. So when you see time, times, and half a time, we are referring to this 
three and a half years, 42 months, 1260 days, okay? So the vision begins with the entire New Testament, the Old Testament and then the New Testament and Jesus taken into heaven. And then the, 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 the woman is nourished by the Holy Spirit and protected by God. Now we get into Acts and basically the history of the church since Jesus' ascension until he comes again. That's where we are now in this 1260 days. Now, the vision doubles back and starts talking about war in heaven. This whole business about the war in heaven and Satan being thrown down is not something that happened after um, uh, Jesus came into the world and ascended to the right hand of God. But actually, it was Jesus coming into the world and ascending to the right hand of God that constituted the victory over Satan. So now it's giving us the, a, a picture of how this thing that on, on earth, the woman and the dragon, how that worked out. Uh, the spiritual significance of that is that the dragon was hurled down to earth. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and while the, the, um, while the church continues its mission. Now, we are told in verse 11, the dragon is now conquered. He's conquered by the blood of the lamb, by the word of his testimony. In other words, by faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, we conquer the dragon. He can't harm us. He can't hurt us anymore. But note that the dragon is not done. In fact, we are warned that he is thrown down from heaven. So God's people rejoice, but woe to the earth because the devil is filled with fury and he knows his time is short. So in other words, this the end times, the 1260 days, is going to be a death struggle between the Christ child, who, between the, 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 the man child who's ruling in heaven now through the woman and the testimony of 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 jesus uh and uh and this conquered uh satan uh, until jesus comes again now the dragon pursues the woman this is in verse 13 tries to drown her but the earth opens up and swallows the water which is kind of an interesting thing it's sort of a parallel to the israelites crossing the red sea on dry ground it uh, it would have drowned them, but but it didn't. It drowned instead uh, Pharaoh and his army. But in this case, the vision is that the devil tries to use water to drown the church, but uh, the ground opens up by, of course, the power of God and swallows up this water. So so the, the, the church continues to be nourished during this 1260 days, in other words, during the end times until Jesus comes again. And then it says in verse 17, failing to overcome the woman... The dragon then made war on the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So what this has done, uh, Revelation chapter 12, has basically set us up to understand the nature of what's going on now with us Christians here in the world. So the, the receivers of this letter understand that Jesus has already come, the woman has already given birth, he has already been taken up to heaven, the dragon has already been cast from, from heaven and is now at work doing his nefarious work here in this world. The church is being nourished. The church cannot be destroyed by the dragon, although he tries. Remember, Jesus says um, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So the devil, realizing he can't destroy the church, will go, tr go after the individual members of the church, her offspring. Well, 
those who are reading this letter to Revelation understand that's the world that we're living in. We're living in a world where the devil is after us individually. And the way we conquer is through the blood of the lamb and the testimony of Jesus. But he's going to come after us if we do that. If we hold to the testimony of Jesus, he's going to come after us. But we will conquer. Okay. This vision goes on. Uh, although we're not going to go on in this devotion, if you want to go ahead and read chapter 13 and chapter 14, you're, you're going to be acquainted. The dragon is going to employ a couple of beasts, the beast from the sea and the beast from the air. Uh, excuse me, the beast from the sea and the beast from the land. And these are basically the false religions of the world and the false powers of the world that the dragon will use in order to try to destroy the offspring of the woman, us, Christians. And it's going to talk about the nature of spiritual warfare here in the end times. But this, uh, this chapter 12, far from being this fantastic story of monsters and dragons, is actually a story of the New Testament and how we got to where we are and what the nature of our life with God looks like now uh, and our life in the kingdom and fighting the spiritual forces of darkness. All right, gone a little bit long, but this chapter needed it and was worth it. And by the way, a Merry Christmas to you.